At a time when many businesses were shutting their doors, Leanne Darland and Tara Hankinson were opening their flagship brewery and tap room in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Leanne and Tara were both avid homebrewers. They met after leaving their corporate jobs in tech and media to join the beer industry. They opened Talea in March of 2021. I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. Leanne and Tara are our guests this week to talk about their craft beer journey. Leanne, Tara, thanks so much for taking the time. We're excited to be here. Yeah, thank you. So first things first, have to get this question out of the way. How has the last more than a year now been for you in the pandemic? That's a big question. (laughs) Um, Business-wise, you know, related to the brewery, the last year has been um, quite the journey for us. So we we were able to start construction during the pandemic and complete construction during the pandemic. And fortunately for us, open our doors as things were slowly starting to get back to normal. I think we opened a few weeks after vaccination started happening. Um, So, you know, the the brewery was really um, coming to life throughout the pandemic and then was ready to open its doors now in the spring of 2021, which has been um, personally was a totally different (laughs) journey for us. Sarah and I both had babies during the pandemic. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's why it feels like a very loaded question. There's a lot of of, highs and the lowest lows. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it's, it's a pretty incredible feeling now to we we removed our mask mandate yesterday here and it's just so surreal and feels so strange but freeing and exciting and hopeful um, to kind of take these steps towards normalcy again. That is just so incredible. I can't even imagine. So you both became moms and you're building this business at the same time during a pandemic. Tara, tell us more about your experience. So we, you know, we've been working on this company for just about four years now, or three years now. So um, the last year was really the culmination of the first two years of hard work, quitting our corporate job to start Talea and start fundraising and start selling our beer across New York City. And like Leanne said, um, when the pandemic hit last year, Leanne had her son, um, Henry, in April, just as things were getting very threatening and the city had just shut down. And then I had twins in November um, in the middle of build out. So, you know, we don't, our, our families don't come up all the time, but it is another, the brewery is our first baby, but we have other <laughs> babies that we're also beholden to. Um, but. Yeah, when I say the highest highs and the lowest lows, you know, building a space sort of in a bubble with the pandemic, not really networking so much or talking to customers or even talking to our mentors because everyone was fully focused on just surviving and helping their businesses survive. We also went into survival mode. Um, and now that, you know, it's summer in New York City and we're open, um, it's pretty incredible. And I think one of the most amazing things is seeing our our guests and our staff be able to, even when we were wearing masks and doing all of the distancing protocols and had hand sanitizer every three feet, 
uh, we were still able to build a connection with people. So we're just really optimistic about the next few months and years and the, the life that we can bring to our space now that um, we hope the worst of COVID is behind us. I never like to assume, but I will assume here. The name Talea, a combination of your two names, Leanne and Tara? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, we spent many months trying to come up with a name for our brewery. Um, you know, there's over 8,000 breweries in the U.S., and we compete trademark-wise with other alcohol companies and energy drinks. So um, almost everything we loved was taken, so we finally just had to make up a word, and what better represents what we want to bring to the market than a portmanteau of our name. While there might be over 8,000 in the U.S., there are not over 8,000 that are all female-owned. You two are breaking some ground here too, right? That's right. Uh, only about 2% of breweries in America are solely owned by women. There are a lot of, not a lot, but there's a larger number of husband-wife duos or breweries that have female partners, but um, very few, and we are the only operating production brewery and tap room in New York City that's solely female-owned. So definitely trying to carve out our own path and um, provide representation for women who are interested in craft beer, as well as for others who are interested in craft beer, whether it's the LGBTQIA plus community or people of color, because uh, all of those groups are underrepresented in craft beer. Mm Yeah, so how do you do that? How do you make it more of a welcoming environment for more than just men? It's it's a challenge, and it's, you know, we just were on a walk this afternoon, and we're talking about ways we could engage further with with communities and and groups of people that aren't represented here in our staff or really who we're seeing in our consumer base. Um, But we, we took a lot of inspiration from outside of the beer industry when we created our physical space and took our inspirations and our feelings towards the beer industry and into account when we created the brand itself. And that has attracted many, we're about 80% of our staff um, of over 30 people are non-male. So that kind of speaks for itself. We've, we've attracted a group of people who are atypical and underrepresented in the industry to come and work here. Um, we're incredibly proud of that. Um, we could absolutely do better representing people of color and it's, it's a, something that we're committed to trying to um, improve upon here within our walls. Um, and we've created a space that is more like a winery than a brewery. It's open, it's inviting. Um, you know, we aren't nerding out on styles of beer or, um, you know, the, the exact names of the hops we're using. We want to make beer very easy to understand and approachable and as deep as you want to go in that, um, in the knowledge about beer and, and the recipes and the techniques we're using, we're happy to go, but we also don't want people to feel like they don't know enough about beer to come to this place. So, um, yeah, I think we've done, I'm, I'm proud of what we've been able to achieve so far. Anecdotally, we've, re- we've noted that our consumer base is about 70% um, non-male, and that's, the, that's put the industry staff on its head. So, um, you know, Brewers Association data and Nielsen data 
show that 30% um, of craft beer drinkers are female, but we're seeing the opposite here in our space, which is just so exciting to see our hypothesis coming true. Um, but we still have a long way to go as well. How did you two meet and birth this idea? Leanne and I met, it took both of us a while to find our path to beer. Um, Leanne went to the Naval Academy and served in the Navy and then worked in uh, technology on the West Coast and had fallen in love with craft beer, started a job as an e-commerce beer startup that eventually moved to New York City. And I applied for a job there and we, we pretty quickly became, well, being the only two women in a different craft beer company, <laughs> uh, we became friends. And before I joined Leanne at that company, um, I had worked in consulting and worked at a winery for a little while and always, always had an interest in the space. So we, you know, we both were homebrewers, but we both have MBAs and are, were business professionals before we were beer people which I think gives us an outsider's perspective. We know what it feels like to feel like you're not part of the craft beer community, um, but it also has, like Leanne said, broadened the inspirations that fuel the brand and the space and even the beers that we design and we brew, it's not, um, it's not part of the existing culture in our opinion. We're, we're there are, out, there are advantages to being outsiders. Um, but yeah, we, we quickly, within a few months of meeting each other, we decided to start a brewery together because we realized it was our combined dream and we just hadn't met each other yet. Um, and within a year of meeting each other, we had quit our jobs to make it a reality mm -hmm. because the alcohol industry is highly regulated and it's very capital intensive. So not like we could just start baking cookies together in one of our homes if we wanted to start a cookie company we had to go through a lot of um, loopholes and spend a lot of money just to be able to bring one beer to market which was our original goal but um, once we started doing the research and realized that our hypothesis to find this uh, female or non-male consumer and expand the craft beer market by targeting um, that person who's our muse we, we realized that there was a lot of data proving that that was an opportunity and that's what convinced us that we needed to build the physical space to um, represent the brand in the, you know, in 3D and actually be able to have an experience connected to just the beer. Because a lot of uh, new beer companies just start as a product that lives on a shelf. And for us, immersing people in the Soya experience is, very core to us and we think that's what's incredibly persuasive in getting non-craft beer drinkers to feel comfortable and welcome to the craft beer space. Let me get some entrepreneurial advice from you because some people who want to pursue their ideas never know when the right time is. Is there ever a right time? So when did you know it was the right time to quit your corporate jobs to pursue this venture? So we started, we created the LLC in July of 2018. Um, we didn't quit our jobs for the next eight months. We were working on this undercover. Um, it was a small startup. So we each had our, our signal for when we needed to leave and go work on something for Talea. 
or take a meeting, you know, we have a pink notebook. And if one of us saw each other with the pink notebook, we would sneak away. Um, we would also go to lunch every day together. Um, basically, we were, you know, it was, a, it was very much a side hustle that we kept under wraps as we were applying for our permits and trying to find a contract brewer. And most importantly, I think, doing all of the research um, to build a case for why there was room for one more brewery in the market alongside the other 8,000. Because we knew we would have to fundraise and we knew that was going to be the first question, like another craft brewery. Um, so for us, it, it came down to the point where we were going to have a physical beer in hand and someone needed to go sell it. And we could either hire someone to go sell our brand, our vision across Manhattan, or we needed to quit and do it ourselves. Unfortunately, we're both married um, and we had some income to, to help us take the leap. But it was pretty much an agreement with both of our spouses that like, all right, let's see what we can do in six months if we haven't raised enough to give ourselves any sort of paycheck. After six months, maybe we reassess if this is the right move. Um, but we, we hit all of our goals and raised enough um, in equity and through an SBA loan within a year to start to, to build out our own space. Um, so I think it's entirely personal when that right, when the right time is to make the leap. But for us, we're very data driven and it took um, us doing the research and the legwork and feeling confident that it was something we could achieve before taking that leap. The best advice we got was keep working at your day job until you're so bad at it that you might be fired. Um, I'm sure mm -hmm. a lot of the, if anyone works for a corporation is listening, they don't want to hear that. But um, for two type A business people, it's very hard to underperform. And we both were striving to please the leadership at our prior company. Um, but we realized that we reached a point where we couldn't give ourselves fully to Talaya and we needed to, especially once we started, once we knew we were going to start asking friends and family and angel investors for money, mm -hmm. it felt like the right thing to do is to put our money where our mouth is, which is the opportunity cost of having the full-time salary um, and, you know, devote ourselves to the company. But yeah, so so challenging. Uh, I think that's one of the questions we get asked most often about what's the inflection point. I also appreciate hearing you say that you kept your idea under wraps because sometimes people make the mistake of telling everyone before they're ready, right? Yeah, it's exciting and it's hard not to do that. But, you know, there, there are so many stereotypes about craft breweries and we would rather like do the research and figure out if it was promising before starting to advertise it widely. Um, but we also, you know, the company we met at, it was great. We, it, it was in the craft beer industry. It was backed by a very large beer company. So while we were working on this, you know, I was trying to raise more funds for this company by pitching to the venture arm of the beer conglomerate. 
So we got like really great insight and, and Tara was head of customer experience. So she is dealing with tens of thousands of customers saying, I hate this beer. I like this beer. It was a direct to consumer model. So we got like, as, the longer we were there, the more we learned for sure. Mm-hmm. That, that's something else. Like, are you able to leverage anything in your corporate career that can benefit your own business and your own skill set when you are ready to make that leap? Tara, you grew up with parents who worked in the food and wine industry. Did that background come in handy for you too? Yes, uh, in a variety Still of ways. <laughs> um, having parents who worked in restaurants and in beverage management before they went on to other careers um, instilled in me an appreciation for the storytelling and the history of mostly wine. I grew up really interested in wine and wine's my first first love but um just appreciating the makers of wine the you know all the different conditions that wine is made under and how the legacy of old wine houses um which was installed in me by my parents in a more practical way my parents were very (laughs) hands-on in helping us launch my mom was uh, at the host stand for a couple of our first weekends, and my dad was washing dishes. Uh, he's a chief legal officer, so that's not his day job, um, typically washing dishes. But yeah, I think, you know, in some ways it's been really funny because as many things that are wildly different than when they opened restaurants in the early 80s, there are a lot of commonalities. So, of course, they never dealt with QR codes or a really high speed point of sale. But uh, the challenges of keeping the bathrooms clean while the rest of your staff is fully, you know, occupied with trying to serve customers or even um, service bar versus having bartenders pour their own drinks. Like, there are so many things that are just still uh, core to what a restaurant or bar operation needs. And um, that's, it's interesting as, you know, Leanne and I had never opened an operation like this before, but we figured, hey, we're smart. We can figure things out. But there actually is a lot of legacy learning that um, we've leaned on, not just my parents, but some of our staff members who come to us from other uh, restaurants and bars to provide us best practices. And sometimes you don't and know. Advisors. And our advisors. Yeah. Sometimes you don't know until you get into the space. But then um, we had to very quickly realize that, you couldn't plan everything out and you have to be agile in um, how the back of the bar flow goes or the customer foot traffic. Um, so n- no weekend is boring because we always have a new challenge come up, but um, we've been very fortunate to have a lot of people in our network who have helped us out. So, yeah. so let's talk more specifically about your beers. How do you describe, how would you describe Talea's beers? Um, our go-to description is totally different and easy to love. Um, so nearly everything we brew is very fruit forward, either through the use of hops and the way we add the hops in the, in the brewing process or through the addition of fruit. So right now about half of our portfolio are hazy IPAs, which are very tropical, very fruit forward, low in bitterness, um, incredibly approachable for non-beer drinkers. And even more so are the other half of our portfolio, which are fruited sours, which are far more like a a cocktail or a wine flavor profile than a typical beer. Um, 
so they're also beautiful in color. Um, so we didn't realize how big of a draw that would be when we opened our space. But when you get a flight of four of our sours, it's like, it's a rainbow. Um, it's beautiful. It's, you know, it's, it's pleasing to the eyes, to the nose. To the, like, it, it's a very sensory experience um, or positive sensory experience. And um, it's been really fun to be able to watch our, our guests enjoy our product directly instead of just selling it to a Whole Foods or to a bar or restaurant. What goes into making a craft brew? Well, I guess it all starts with the recipe concept and ideation. Uh, so we have a target portfolio. We know what we want to have on 12 draft lines at any given time. Um, and 11 of those are rotating. So it'll be a, a same style, but a rotating version. So for example, we have a series called Punch um, it's a fruited sour. We originally had passion punch, which is passion fruit, guava, and raspberry. Our latest iteration is peach berry. Um, so it's passion fruit, peach, and blackberry. So, you know, just like changing it up like that with a similar base. So we know people enjoy it and we know that that um, recipe is working, but giving them something different every time they come back. Um, after we come up with that uh, recipe, which is usually about two months out, um, we'll order the ingredients for it. Uh, the process at a high level is turning um, malted grain into um, sugar water. So basically creating a huge vat of oatmeal, um, draining all that sugar water called wort off into a kettle, boiling it, transferring it to a whirlpool to add some bittering hops, and then letting it ferment for anywhere from Two, week, two weeks to six weeks, depending on the type of beer, at which point we add either a ton of hops to create hazy IPAs or a ton of fruit to create our fruited salads. Most of your beers are vegan, right? It's about two-thirds of our beers are vegan. Um, we don't use any fining agents to clarify that are, are non... We don't use any period, but some of those are not vegan. The beers that are... Um, not vegan contain lactose, which is sugar derived from milk. And the reason we use lactose is because it's not fermentable by brewing yeast. So if you want a beer to have residual sugar, um, like a milk stout has lactose in it. And we use lactose in some of our sour beers and some of our IPs. Uh, you would add lactose and then um, the beer has sort of a marshmallowy vanilla quality. It doesn't taste milky at all. Um, but, you know, the way that that comes into play is that any other sugars that you add, the yeast will eat. So if you add fresh mango puree, the yeast is eating all the sugars, but some of the mango flavor remains. Mm -hmm. um, and breweries that kind of toe the line on whether they want to get sugar from that fruit, end up with cans exploding on the shelves. So that's probably too much information, but basically we're trying to, you know, push our creativity as far as possible to get the most inventive beer flavors that are still shelf stable when you grab them out of the cooler at Whole Foods, um, but still have a wide variety of body and texture, which is, it's something that's really fun to play with because depending on the fruits you use and the level of sourness you want, you can create um, either a lot of body or make something that's really light-bodied and more like a champagne, but it's beer. Do you brew locally in New York City? 
Uh, yeah, we our brewery is here at our tap room. So we have a 9,000 square foot location in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um, 6,000 of it is our brewery, our production brewery. And uh, the other 3,000 is the consumer or the guest facing um, side of our operation in the tap room. Now your labels are really unique. Can you describe them and the idea behind the designs? Sure. sure. Yes. So we do... Um, especially when we're wholesaling our beer. So when our beer is sitting on a shelf next to another 200 beers, we knew we wanted it to be different. Um, we wanted it to jump out more as like a hard seltzer or speak to that customer, speak to the customer who's looking for a bottle of rosé or a can of wine or a can of hard seltzer. So bright colors, things that would catch your eye, um, somewhat familiar can to can. So, you know, some consistent icons or elements in the design or color scheme that would make it look like a family on the shelf, but unique enough every for every style of beer that it's something to look at. And um, we engaged with um, John Gilsenin from I Want Design. He's based in London. He was the, the designer for the winery that Tara worked at um, the summer before uh, her corporate job, summer of her MBA. And he agreed to partner with us on it. And he's been with us from the start before we even had the name Talea um, and has been such a tremendous partner with us. But we, we love our cans. We're, we're so proud of them and the customers love them. And we think it's, they've, done a great job standing out on the shelf across the city. Mm-hmm. What are each of your favorites? Oh, we can't do that. They're all our babies. <laughs> There's so many. Um, I'll, let's say what is our favorite that we currently have available that'll at least narrow it down. Mine right now is Haba Haba Splash. Um, so it is a very light-bodied sour, 4.2% alcohol, brewed with mango, tamarind, lime, and habanero. Um, it's the most refreshing summer drink, and I love spicy beers. It's not overly spicy. Um, you know, Tara and I balance our desire for spiciness. They're on opposite ends of the spectrum, so we know it's a good beer for anybody. But it does have like a little bit of heat at, at the back of your palate after you take a sip. That's my favorite right now. Uh, my favorite right now is a beer called Berry Cherry Crush. So it's part of our Crush series, which is a 5.2% uh, sour ale through the sea salt and wheat. It's actually an old German style called a Goza, but we add lots and lots of fruit to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a whole Crush series, and this is our most recent one. It's through the sweet cherries, uh, raspberries and pink Himalayan sea salt. So it's almost like a margarita in beer form where you have the sweet, light sweetness from the fruit, um, the saltiness, and then the sourness. And again, just really refreshing, which is great for summer, but also just a beer that um, you know goes well with appetizers or salads or uh, is easy enough to drink on its own, which is the goal for us. Mm-hmm. What's been your greatest lesson so far in this journey? One of the lessons or or mantras that we have is 
don't let perfection be the enemy of progress. As two people who are used to having a very, you know, formulaic path forward to succeed, like in a corporate job, you know, you work hard, you hit your certain key performance indicators, and then at the end of the year, you get your bonus. We're used to a linear path, and starting a business like this gave us all sorts of opportunities to hem and haw over decisions. And at the end of the day, we had to start operating with an assumption that not everything we do is going to work the first time or can be completely, you know, thought out. We can't look at every single four top table available on the internet. At some point, you just have to buy <laughs> the freaking tables. Um, and so that notion of, you know, looking towards the big picture and being willing to let a few compromises happen along the way has it's helped me let go of analysis paralysis all right tara leanne thank you so much for your time thank you this was a joy Leanne Darland and Tara Hankinson are the founders of Talaya Beer Company. Their brewery and tap room is now open in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. More info at talayabeer.com. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. My thanks to producer Maddie Bristow. I'm George Bodarki. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. Thanks so much for listening.